0: Thanks again for coming out tonight. I'd like to read one verse in Isaiah chapter 53. If you have a Bible, it's in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, and we're going to read verse number 4. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 4. Just one verse, just four lines. I'm going to attempt tonight to explain it to you in a very simple way, but also to impress on you the importance of the verse and how this verse affects you and should apply to you tonight personally. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And we'll ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. I'd like to speak about burdens tonight. The burden that an unsaved person will have on their own life. The burden that was on the Lord Jesus Christ. And another burden, a positive burden, that I trust will be yours at the end of your life. I was thinking just today that in 1620, uh, that's really when part of American history started. The Mayflower arrives and those early pilgrims get off the boat and things start happening. Well, about a hundred years earlier, down in Mexico on the port of Veracruz, There was a ship that came all the way from Spain. And a man named Hernan Cortez got off the ship with all of his soldiers. And he marched from Veracruz all the way up to modern-day Mexico City. And as he went up those mountains, he gathered all the soldiers that he could from different rival indigenous tribes. And as he made his way towards that great capital city, it was known as the Venice of the ancient world. Because if you know about Mexico City, it's basically sitting on a dredged lake. And at that time, it was sitting on water, and the city was floating. And as they came over the mountains, and they saw the city, they didn't think that they would find something so astounding, but they did. And they marched on the city, and they came into those great pyramids that were there at the time. And as they went in, and they got to know the great commander and emperor, Moctezuma. They went in, they got to know the people, and they saw something. And it was the gold, all the gold, and all the silver, in the Aztec Empire. And that's why today, in the country of Mexico, there's so many gold and silver mines. It's a very rich country in terms of resources. Well, that's what they saw in 1519. The reason why I tell you is this. There was a night that is called the Sad Night in Mexican history. They call it La Noche Triste, the Sad Night. And what happened on that night was that those men attacked the emperor named Moctezuma, and as they tried to leave, they stuffed their pockets With as much gold as they possibly could. And they put it in their jackets. And they put it in bags. And put it over their shoulders. And they tried to run away from the capital city of the Aztec Empire. But as I just said. It's the Venice of the ancient world. And they had to cross canals. And they had to swim through the water. In order to get back to the mountains and back to the coast. You know what happened? Many of those soldiers. That's why it's called the Sad Night. Because of the weight in their pockets and the weight in their jackets, and the weight that they were carrying on their shoulders. They drowned in the water because of a burden that they had. They wouldn't let go to the burden that they had, so they died. And that's what I want to speak to you about tonight. I want to speak to you about a burden. The burden of sin. And it's a burden that every single person in the world has who is not saved, Who does not know what does that mean who does not know the lord jesus christ as their personal savior as joey has been saying tonight who who does not know the lord jesus as the one who has taken the wrath from them and i want to ask you tonight before i continue are you one of those people make this personal tonight this isn't about us this isn't about getting tallying numbers this isn't about getting members for this church this isn't about promoting the name stark road gospel hall and becoming famous in limonia this is about you and god about your soul, about your destiny, about your eternity? Do you have salvation, but salvation according to God's word? I want to speak to you about these burdens because I know there's people in the crowd and they have a burden, burden for their own family. There's a a preacher in the Bible, his name was the Apostle Paul. He said in Romans chapter 9 that I have great heaviness for my people. A big burden that was on his shoulders because he wanted them to be saved so bad. And I know there's people in the room tonight and they have children here and there's people, maybe relatives of yours and maybe not even in this room and they're praying for you because they have a burden because they want you to be saved. The question is, do you have a burden? Do you have a burden for your sins? What are your thoughts about your own burden? There's not just preachers and parents that are burdened for you. But I want to tell you, there's a prince who's burdened for you. I'm from Canada. and A lot of people in Canada, they talk about the royal family. Well, you know, there's this, this royal, and they call him the rebellious one. His name's Harry. And Harry, Prince Harry right now, you know, he just said something the other day. It's kind of sad. He said, in order to reduce the carbon footprint, we're only going to have two kids and no more. Not going to have too many kids. Don't want to affect the planet. You know, there's a prince in heaven. And he's a royal prince, and he wants his family to be large. He wants everyone in the world to be saved. He wants more than two children. He wants you to be a part of God's royal family. And we have a burden tonight, and our burden is this: that you need to be saved. And we can't save you, so we're going to tell you about the one who can. You know, burdens are not—they're uh, not always a bad thing. Sometimes you can think about a burden as a gift. And I want to think about a burden. This burden as a gift some people they think of this word burden or if i could use a different word it's the word guilt you see today the word guilt it's kind of a negative word people say well you know i go to church and they just make me feel guilty well i hope we're not doing that tonight because it's not me who's going to make you uh, give you this burden for your sin you know i go to church and all the preacher says is oh you're a sinner you do this and you do that and you're a bad person and all i do is i leave and i feel guilty and they just want me to feel guilty maybe it's because they want my money Maybe they just want me to be there and just to fill a seat. I don't know why, but all they do is make me feel guilty. And religion is all about guilt. You know what? Guilt is actually a gift. It's actually a gift. There's people out in the world and they're burdenless. They're burdenless because they don't feel any guilt for their sins. Did you know that if you feel no guilt for your sins, you'll never seek a solution for them? If you never feel a guilt, if you never feel your sin as a burden on your life, you'll never look to someone to save you from your sin. If you don't feel this guilt and you don't take it as a gift from God, you will never look for the true salvation that comes from him. So I want to ask you again, do you feel a burden for your sin? Not a special feeling, not a special emotion, but do you understand the weight of your sin? Do you understand how serious it is? Do you understand what it's taken to take away sin? Do you understand that this sin is an offense before a holy God? The Bible teaches us this. That sin, that guilt, is a gift. Some people are burdenless. There's other people, and they're burdenful. full. Down in Mexico, where we preach for a long time, there's a man. He'd come to the gospel meeting, and he came for years. I remember when I first started going down, I would see him there. At gospel meetings, just like this. And he would sit there, and he would cry. And he would think about it and he'd want to be saved, but he would never accept it. You know what? When I went later, myself as a missionary, years later, many times I'd see him in different gospel meetings in different parts of the country, up in the north and then down in the middle and other parts around the country, and we would have gospel meetings and we would be preaching and he'd be sitting in the crowd and sitting in his seat just like right there and he'd be staring at the preacher and he would look out into the crowd and you would see him crying, crying because of his guilt. He felt the burden. He felt the guilt for his sin. But he had never received the salvation. You know, one thing I learned about guilt, this old preacher, oh, he's not too old, his name's Sandy Higgins, <laughs> It's an old preacher, and he, he taught me, don't tell him I said that, but he taught me, he taught me something about guilt. Something so obvious. But he said this, guilt is not only a, it's a positive thing for this reason, because guilt should have a direction. Guilt should, you should take your guilt somewhere. I think that's why people have a misconception about guilt today. I think that maybe someone in the crowd today, okay, oh, you want me to feel guilty? No, no. The Bible, when it talks about guilt, when it talks about a burden, when it talks about feeling bad about your sin, feeling it as a great weight on your body, the reason why, the reason why is this so you will take it to the Lord. And that's how Christians, when Christians deal with guilt properly, They don't just sit there and wallow and in misery and sadness and cry and cry and cry. No, maybe they cry for a bit, but they take it to the Lord. And that's what the Bible teaches us about guilt. We're not here to put you on a guilt trip. We're not here to make you feel sad. I'm not here to make you cry. I don't want to just see tears. That's not our intention. But when God communicates this gospel and he talks to you about your sin the intention is this that you will take your guilt to him and see what the answer is see what the solution is see what he's going to do about it there is a man an old book and maybe a few of you have seen it it's a book called pilgrim's progress and in the book i think joey mentioned it the other night there's this young man and he's walking uh, through this great journey he has a dream and he comes to this house it's called the interpreter's house and when he gets to the interpreter's house he meets all these different people there's a man in an iron cage and there's a picture of a preacher on a wall and there's a fire against the wall that can't be put out oil on one side and one person trying to put the fire out so on and so forth he meets different people but he comes to a bedroom he comes to a room inside the interpreter's house and as he walks in The interpreter says to him, Ask him. Ask him what's going on. And he asks him the question. And the man had just woken up from a dream. And then he tells him the dream. And he tells him about the judgment that's going to come. And he tells him why he's so sad. And why he's crying. And why he's burdened about what's going to come before him. You know what's sad about that part of the story? We don't read anything about what happens to that man. It's just a man, and he has a dream. And he's sad. You don't read about him being saved. You know, it would be very sad tonight if there were people in the crowd and we made you sad. And we made you guilty. And we made you just miserable. Not our intention. that would be horrible if that happened to you and you walked out of here without being saved. God wants you to feel the weight. God wants you to feel the burden. God wants you to feel the guilt. But he wants you to take it to him and to be saved. Not just to feel bad, but to be blessed by him. Tonight, you can be saved. You can look to Christ and receive the salvation and receive the forgiveness and get the weight taken off of you through what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Guilt is a gift, but there's a word that's associated with it, and it's go. Go. Guilt is a gift, but you need to go. Go to the Lord and go. To the cross. I want to speak to you not only about the weight of guilt, but in this verse, <clears throat> I should reference the verse itself. Look down at verse number four again. Isaiah fifty-three and verse number four says that surely, He has borne our griefs, and He's the one who carried our sorrows. I want to talk to you about the weight of sin, not just the weight of your shame, but the weight of sin. How much does sin weigh? Well, we can't necessarily measure it. It's not something physical that you can see and you can touch and you can put in a lab for Joey's brother to go and measure and put needles in and so on and so forth. You can't do that with sin. It's immaterial, but it's in you. And what we see here in this verse is that there was a weight associated with sin. And even though we can't measure it, what we we, we can do is we can see it. We can see it on a person, and that's on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The first thing I want to say about this, about the weight of sin, is that the Lord Jesus Christ purposely, purposely and purposefully went and had that sin put on him. In 1927, in Guadalajara, Mexico, where we lived for almost eight years, there's a big Avenida Juarez, a big part of the town, a big uh, a big street in the middle of the city. And in 1927, they wanted to expand The street. The problem is that there was a building there uh, for the telephone company, and the building had to be moved, but they couldn't move it. They didn't want to build a brand new building, and so they said, well, what are we going to do? And you know what they did? They actually left the building in the middle of the street. They widened the street, left that building there, and it was a big obstruction for about 20 years. And 20 years later, they decided, well, this is a bit much. We're kind of tired of going around the building. So what they did was they said... You know, we're just going to have to build another building. This obstruction is too much. Well, an engineer came along. Thank God for engineers. And an engineer came along. His name was Jorge Matute Remus. Funny name. Big bridge in uh, Guadalajara. Named after him today. But he went and he saw this big problem. And he said, this is what we're going to do. In order to move this massive weight. Nathaniel will explain this later. We're going to get some planks. And then we're going to put the building on top of tracks. And over the period of, I think it was five days, they slowly moved the building. But there's an important detail here. Anybody can move the building. Happens all the time. Move buildings. Go on the highway, you see mobile homes on a semi-trailer, and they're going who knows where. People move buildings. That's easy. But there's an important detail, a very specific way this building had to be moved, and it was this. If that building, if the operations inside the building shut down, then nobody in Mexico could use their phone. So they had to move it in such a way that they kept on working inside the building. Buildings can be moved. Anybody can move a building. But this building had to be moved in a very specific way you know what that reminds me of there's people all over the world tonight and maybe even inside this room inside this very little gospel hall and you're trying to move the burden of your sin and there's only one specific way that the burden can be moved i've seen it in my own life you know i've seen people with my own eyes and maybe you've seen it as well it's not too uh it's not too uncommon and you see them with backpacks and they'll hold sticks on the highways of mexico And they'll have a big water bottle in their hand. And they have running shoes. And they're walking along the highway. And you think, where did they come from? There's no towns. There's no villages around. You know what they're doing? They're walking to certain villages inside of Mexico to prove to God that they can take away their sin to try and move the problem of their sin. They see sin. They know they have the problem. But they think maybe by walking, maybe by going. I've seen people crawl on their knees. I've seen people go into buildings and kiss people's hands and walk into little rooms and say to a little man, oh, please take away my sin. People think of all the ideas in the world, great imaginations, how they can take away their sin. You know, there's one specific way that your sin can be taken away. Just one. Just one. You know, I'd love to take away your sin tonight. I'd love to. I used to work when I was younger, working for my dad You used excavators a lot and you'd have to dig quite a bit. You know, sometimes you get to a boulder. And we would use a shovel. And you can only remove so many rocks with a shovel. So then my dad would come along. Hey, dad, there's a big boulder. We need to move this. And he would bring the excavator and the boom would come down and the bucket would go in the dirt and he'd lift the massive boulder and take it out of the ground. And sometimes I wish that in the crowd I could do the same for you. I could come in like an excavator and I could send the boom down and bring the bucket around the boulder and take it off your life. Take away your burden of sin. But I can't do it. Do you know why? There's only one single precise exact, unique way that this can be done. And it's not through me. And it's not even through you. It's only through God and through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it says. Surely He hath borne our griefs. Surely He hath borne our griefs. And He carried our sorrows. He carried our sorrows. There's only one way that sin can be taken care of and it's by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Maybe some of you have seen that book, Pilgrim's Progress. You know that man right at the beginning, Christian? Right from the beginning of the book, when he's right there in the city of destruction, he he wants to get to the celestial city, but in the beginning of this book, there's a man and he has a burden on his back. And it's not till close to the end of the book. You know what happens? It's when, when they talk about the Lord Jesus Christ in the book, when he sees the Lord Jesus Christ... The burden on his back, it falls off and it rolls away into a sepulcher to a grave. The burden is taken off and it rolls away. Only one way, a unique way. And that's for the Lord Jesus Christ taking it himself. My, burdens was, my burden was taken off. Was yours? My burden rolled away. And it rolled away all the way to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he, being the only person in all the world who could do it, he took the burden, he put it on his back, and he could take it. You know those people that climb Everest? They go up there, they need people to carry their burdens. They're they're called Sherpas and they carry the burden all the way up to the top, and they carry that burden all the way back to the bottom. Why? Because that one man, he cannot do it all by himself. To get up there and carry the burden, he needs someone else to carry it. You know what? When it comes to salvation, it's not climbing a mountain. So many misconceptions about what salvation is. It's not climbing a mountain to meet God where Christ is beside you. Carrying your burden and helping you get there all along the way. No, no, it's not a mountain. It's standing at the foot of the mountain and recognizing this. I can't get to the top. You're going to have to carry it to the top without me. I can't not go. It's impossible. Only you can do it. And the Lord Jesus Christ did that. What are you depending on? What's going to happen with your burden There's so many ways that you can devise and so many things we can try to do to get rid of the burden, to lift the burden, to push away the burden. There's only one single thing that works and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's already worked. He's already done it. He's already carried it. If you rest on him tonight, you can be saved. I like to think of just one more thing. Surely he hath borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Do you know he did that voluntarily? There's a verse over in Isaiah chapter 50, and it says this, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair, and I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And there's another verse right here, verse number three. It says, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. This is a description of what happened at the cross 800 years later. We looked at the Lord Jesus and we hid our faces. He looked at us and he said, I won't hide my face. Just as he did going towards a cross, he set his face as a flint, is what the Bible says, to go toward Jerusalem. He went straight toward it. He ran toward it, just like we hear those glorious stories about our Navy SEALs and Army Rangers. What do they do? They're the ones who don't run away when a bomb goes off. When a shooting happens, they run towards the danger. And that's why they're lauded. And that's why we think they're great. They run towards the danger. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus did. He ran towards the cross. He ran straight towards that death to be stricken, to be smitten, to be afflicted by God himself, voluntarily determined. He went to carry the weight. To carry a weight that you can't carry. The last thing I want to say is this. There's a weight associated with shame. But the intention is not for you to carry the shame. It's to take it to Him. Take your guilt, take your sin to Him. He's the only one who can deal with it. There's a weight associated with sin. He's the only one who could possibly take that weight. I just want to close by speaking about the weight of a smile. It's a difficult thing to explain. Something I was really enjoying today. You know, at the end of your life, you're going to see God's face, and you're either going to see a face of terror or you're going to see a smile. A face of terror or you're going to see a smile. At the end of Revelation, and we saw this a few weeks ago in Revelation 20, it says that heaven, the heaven, and the earth fled away from his face. In Revelation chapter 6, it talks about people who see judgment coming. And it says that they wanted the rocks to fall on them because they did not want to see his face. You know, if you're not saved and you die in your sins, you will see his face. But you'll see a face of terror. A face that is a face of judgment that will send you to hell for all eternity. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You can see a smile, the weight of a smile. I was thinking about it this way because there's a, a beautiful, I recommend it to you, a beautiful sermon written by a man named C.S. Lewis, and it's called The Weight of Glory. And, and in this sermon, this uh, great writer, C.S. Lewis, he talks about how one day when you see the Lord, when you see God himself and you see the Lord Jesus Christ, what you're going to see if you're saved is a smile. And he calls it this, he said, the smile is this, it is a weight of glory that we cannot comprehend. And then he says this, but so it is. The fact that God himself would smile at someone like me, the fact that the God of heaven would look at a sinner, an undeserving wretch like me, and one day I will be in his presence And he will look at me and he will smile. Do you know why? Oh, Johnny, because you preach. Oh, because you went to Mexico. Oh, because you go with Joey to talk to people. Oh, this and that. No, no. None of those things. There's not one thing inside of me that he will look at and smile at. It's it's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. And he will see me and he will say, you accepted my son by faith, on the principle of faith. You looked at my son. You counted him worthy. You saw him as the answer. Him as the solution. He carried your weight and you rested on him. And if you rest on him tonight, you won't see that face of terror. You won't see that face, as C.S. Lewis describes, that cannot be disguised. You'll see the smile. You'll see the smile. What's going to happen with your guilt? With the weight of sin. Are you trying to carry it? You Carrying it tonight? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's carried our sorrows. And there's no need for you to carry it any longer. Rest on him. Believe him. And you will be saved. Let's pray.